like stupid ass. Welcome to Fired Up Podcast. I'm Andrew Hopple. I'm Cam Hewitt. <laughs> and thanks for being a part of the Fired Up Podcast, everybody. Here at the Fired Up Podcast, we are a fitness-based podcast, but Cam and I talk about a number of different things. We try to wrap everything back into fitness because that is what we uh, know and love, and that's what we uh, want to talk about here on the Fired Up Podcast. Episode number 89. 89, really? Dude, we're getting close to the big hundo, dude. We're not counting the extra locked and loaded fired up Friday that has been sitting in the chamber for quite a while now. Cocked and loaded, dude. It's ready to go. But we're we're here and we're ready to talk about America. American nations, a history of the 11 rival regional cultures of North America. Get ready for a four hour read by Andrew Hopple while me and all oh. of you at home <laughs> listen to his supple voice. Tell, Stay tuned for part two when he reads about Paul Revere's ride. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been, um, I actually ordered a, a decent amount of historically based, like con- conceptual books. As well as just some like Paul Revere's ride, it's kind of a historical background on what exactly took place with Paul Paul Revere and his whole story. Because a lot of us have heard that story before, how he um he kind of warned everybody that the British were coming, but what's the the truth behind it? And then there was a, a huge movement that it was not a true uh, thing that took place. So I'm excited oh, to read about that one. Really, it might just be kind of like a like a myth to get the, get the people like, like riled up. Yeah, it could be, or some people are saying it it was like an American folklore, you know, like a lot of these other ones that came out in the, the 18th, the 1800s, the 19th century was a really interesting time for American history because it was just kind of, I mean, this sounds kind of lame. It was kind of like a magical time of a mixture between what reality really was and, and, you know, and, you know scientific improvement and uh, historically backed, you know, facts and basis of, of things that were taking place mm-hmm. and a mixture of almost like fairy tale and like the newness of America and what was not really real. Well, <laughs> so a lot of these things that people talk about, whether it's, you know, like Bigfoot or know what was out in the west or you know mining for gold it just created all these different (laughs) half truths about what reality was like and then the the excitement of america and what was out there to find yeah i'm so i'm it's funny i'm actually reading a book that um there's like there's been a few times where joe rogan has had someone on his podcast and they talk about their book and i've and i've bought it and i bought the empire of the summer moon and i'm like little over halfway through it's about the comanches but it's in that same time period it's like 1830 to like 1860 1870 dude it is fascinating dude i feel like grow like growing up i feel like there was this idea that like native americans just really liked to like you know they they hunt the bison or the buffalo whatever they kind of dance around they have a good time whatever dude or like there's the rumor that like white people just completely wiped them all out. It's like, it, okay, it's not really like, it was based off the the book I'm reading, dude, it was like a war. Like the, the, Coman- yeah. the Comanches and other tribes absolutely dominated 
like any any settlers at all. Because <laughs> here's the goofy thing. I would, if I was this guy, his name was, uh, I think it was Henry, Henry Colt or something. So think about this. <laughs> These guys are fighting Comanches who are expert horseback riders and can fire like 30 arrows in like 90 seconds. Okay. It's just lethal. And they can kill people from 30 yards away. And you have freaking like muskets and single shot pistols. So it's like, okay, that's not a fair fight, dude. Like hella inaccurate. This dude invented a revolving pistol (laughs) that could shoot five bullets and then you have to reload it. And everyone except for one guy was not interested. Like the government's like, yeah, that's kind of cool and all, but I think we'll just stick with our muskets. <laughs> so then, for, <laughs> so then for another like 20 years, the Comanches just kept co- like spanking Americans, dude. <laughs> it's like, how would you not like see that as a major improvement? And like, there was even a battle that proved it, but, but the government was still like, yeah, we don't want to fund that. <laughs> Oh man, it's just ridiculous. That's interesting. Dude. Yeah. It's I love I love learning about things like that because there's so much context that goes into a fact or something that took place and it's hard. It's really hard to get the full story or or anything close to the full story when you're learning about something that has taken place in a history book. Mm-hmm. And that's what back in high school I fell in love with POV and trying to learn you know, each person's point of view and their angle and what they're trying to accomplish by telling me you know, this piece of information. Right. And it's just, it's so cool to see when it, in terms of something like that, like why was that an innovation that, that was kind of brushed aside? What was t- taking place yeah. with government funding, with objectives that the government had and why they didn't want to fund this thing that was what seems to be for us a very clear improvement right. for a simple um, piece of equipment. Yeah. But no, it's just, it's just I don't know. cultural shifts and they were probably, they're probably in the pocket of somebody somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, it, it, what's interesting is uh, they, they follow this one lady named Cynthia Ann Parker who got uh, kidnapped when she was like, <clears throat> excuse me, when she was like nine <laughs> and, uh, they tried taking her back like like 10 years later. They're like, hey, we got her back. And she ran away to go join the Comanches again. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I don't I don't really want to be with you guys. I'd rather be with them. It's like, oof. Ooh, that one hurts. That one cuts deep. But oh, funny story about this. I actually wanted to bring this up because it kind of relates to more what you and I like to talk about. So I feel like one thing you and I are like pretty good at is, um, and we talked about this with Alex Apostle many episodes ago, which if you guys haven't heard that one, that's a really good perspective episode is you hearing about how people used to live in like the 1800s, even like the early 1900s, like, and you hear about the things that happened or how people treated each other. You're like, holy crap. Like this is easy. So yesterday I met Menards with Abby we're getting a bunch of stuff for like just projects around the house. And I'm looking at just all the supplies and I'm like, this is so easy. Like how would I ever complain? Like, Oh, I have to do work around my house. Oh, you mean the house that like is sturdy and has 
heating and full of food. I didn't have to hunt like things like that. I'm like, dude, life is like not as hard as we think it is. Like, yeah. Okay. Stuff happens. Stuff happens. I get that. But you think back to like, okay, I don't need to worry about a bunch of Comanches raiding my town and killing everyone. And like, dude, they would do some nasty stuff, dude. They would like cut. Never mind. We don't need to get into it because it's it, it's really gory. Like, we don't need to worry about anything like that or anything close to it, really. I don't know. So it just, it just makes me think like, yeah, if I have to do some work around the house, I should probably just be grateful that I have a house to do work on. Right. The worst thing you have to do or we have to worry about is like third winter coming around and sticking around for an extra day or two because it doesn't actually yeah. affect our lives. It's just uncomfortable. Right. Right. It's like, oh man, it might snow on Friday. What are we going to do? It's like, yeah, that'll be annoying, but we have houses or apartments, whatever. It is. It will kind of mess with my ultimate garden expedition. So guys, this point. year I've I've committed to trying to grow and eat as much of my food as I possibly can. All right, that's kind of a big statement. I'm trying to grow and eat a lot of my food in my backyard. Dude, I'm telling you. So you need, we're You got to get a hypher. You got to get a hypher and then that way you can have all your beef. What's a heifer? Is it heifer? I thought it was hypher. Are you talking about a cow? Yeah. Oh god. Is it heifer? All right. <laughs> so I'm uh so I'm building these raised garden beds and we're we've already started growing things, which a little controversial. It's still March in Chicagoland. And for some reason, March I've started growing things inside, I should point out though. And March is kind of like that, oh, you know. If you put anything outside, it's definitely going to die season. Um, every, everywhere else in the country, it's okay to grow things in March. But Chicagoland, little rough. I'm including mm-hmm. Michigan, too, because Michigan is basically just a lesser Chicago. Michigan is basically just, especially the western side of Michigan, is the undeveloped uh, version of Chicago. It's Chicago We're still in the nobody 1830s. ever... <laughs> the, the Comanches are coming after Cam. Yeah. Um, it's... It's Chicagoland if Chicago was never settled. That's what Western Michigan looks like. That That is accurate. <laughs> that is fair. So we have um, this terrible winter. It's still taking place. And I'm right on the cusp of, should I grow things? All right, I'm going to start it anyways because that's how I work. And I cause a lot of problems for myself that way. But we also help ourselves out every now and then. So I'm going to have all these raised beds in the backyard and we're talking, I've got spaghetti squash that's already planted because that's going to take a little bit longer. I've got tomato plants. We've got, what else? Peppers, all different types of peppers, broccoli. And we're going to try to just turn the backyard into a feeding frenzy. And also I have to find out how to properly freeze and pickle some things too so that I can eat them later. Dude, I'll tell you this, man. If you learn to pickle... You get some pickled onions in there. It'll change your life, dude. It's it's really easy. But yeah, they, they're amazing. So how are you going to... Oh, I guess you're doing raised beds. You're doing raised beds, so you don't need to worry about wabbits eating your... Eating your you also well, have a tall the backyard is fence. fully fenced in. 
Yeah, it's fully fenced. I, mean, I guess so. It's a little bit easier. Well, I guess you'll still have yeah, you'll still have squirrels. It's true. It's true. Which are the they are the Comanches of suburban critters. So you think so? You think the squirrels are going to come after my garden pretty hard? Dude, most def. I, me and Abby had to have like <laughs> like six tomato plants, like little cherry tomatoes, whatever. And like squirrels ate a bunch of them, but I mean, we had so many that it didn't really matter. But dude, they'll dude they'll chomp away, man, and like they can climb up like anything. Like you would need to put like a wire fence going out at like a forty five degree angle or something, like something they can't climb. In order to keep that stuff safe, or just have Josh stand out there. Can with I a just BB shave gun. my head? Shave my head and then put like hair around the the plant's base. That's <laughs> like that was like a thing for rabbits, like a, a really wives' tale. Yeah, you put you put your um you put hair around the the plant and that rabbits won't go near it. Hmm. Sure, yeah, try that. That that should work. <laughs> My mom used to get my hair cut and then she'd save my hair (laughs) and she would put it around the plants. Did it work? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, maybe this is is where um, my, my personal, this is where my personal childhood meets uh, American 19th century folklore. (laughs) Where truth kind of blends with (laughs) fact. Dude, fair enough. Fair enough. Dude, I'm getting pumped. It is that it is that time of the year, dude. Me, me and Abby have to uh we gotta plan out what veggies we're doing. There's some stuff, dude. We grew some stuff last year. Like we we didn't even What did you guys grow last year? Because uh, I know you had that huge deck project, but did you actually have a pretty sizable garden? Yeah, dude. We we had we had cucumbers, we had peppers, we had we had jalapenos and bell peppers, we had tomatoes, we had basil, kale, green beans, thyme. Some other stuff. Dude, you got to get a basil plant. All of you guys listening out there, get a basil plant because they grow like crazy and you can make incredible pesto with them. Abby made like, I don't know, probably three or four big, big ass jars of pesto. It was so good. What's what's the update on uh, the Christmas gift that I sent over a couple seasons late? I'm not going to lie. Unopened. <laughs> it was like, well, where? <laughs> well, like, where are we going to put it? We don't have a windowsill and put it, it outside. It can't dude. We're in Michigan. It's too cold. It's too cold. I don't want to kill. The, <laughs> I don't want to kill the plants that you tell everybody, tell everybody what it was though. It's like five, five herb plants. I don't remember which ones they were, but they will definitely be consumed by myself and my wife on the reg. Yeah, it was a uh, so we sent this present out a little bit late, guys. It took an extra <laughs> month or so to get it to the. Uh, okay, no, here's the problem. I had this thing month planned or out. So, I actually had it got planned it out. March. <laughs> I had it planned out perfectly because I was ordering straight from the company to get it sent to Cam and Abby's house in Michigan. So, because I'm terrible at going to the post office, if anybody knows me um, personally, that's like the the most truth I've ever uh, talked about here personally. <laughs> so I'm terrible at it. And uh I I just, it's not 
easy for me for some reason to make it happen. Like I could, I'm pretty good at making things take place. Like if I need to wake up and do go do cardio, mm-hmm. I'm not going to fuss about it. I'm just going to wake up and do it. Yeah. Talking about chipping anything. It's just tough. So, <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I'm not going <laughs> to allow myself to get into this position. <laughs> I said, I'm not going to allow myself to get into this position. I'm just going to order it straight from there. Have them gift wrap it, everything. Great. I put in my address. So the <laughs> gift wrapped, ready to go for Cam and Abby for Christmas shows up in my house. And I'm like, oh, shoot. I was like, okay, I'll do it next week. And then two months later, I sent it. Bada bing, bada boom. And that's all it took. You, that is a really funny Just observation like about yourself. It's like, I, I hope the post office can forever keep you humble because you are really good. I think back to our strength finder thing, one of your big things was like execution, but like it's like just the thorn in your side, your Achilles heel is you cannot ship something. (laughs) I don't know why. It's so weird. It's it's the hardest thing I ever have to do is going to, to the post office to make it happen. Oh my gosh. That's funny, dude. I, dude, so back when I was a uh, hashtag hustling and grinding back in Illinois, I, I tried like making a ton of money off of eBay. And so I bought just a ridiculous amount of packaging stuff. Dude, I was, Andrew, if you and I, or when you and I start our gym and we sell apparel out of that gym. I will do you handle that. I will. I will handle the post office. You can do everything else. <laughs> so fun, fun thing about apparel. Um, looks like we might be getting back into a, a passive apparel manufacturing process, taking the, the applicable skills that we learned years prior um, and, and using them for a greater good for eat the frog fitness. Oh, really? Do you guys get to design your own logos and stuff like that? So, no, you have to be brand cohesive. You can't create your own you know, logos and stuff. We're a franchise, Cameron. Well, That's no, 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 ridiculous. no. I mean, I mean, but, you have the Eat the Frog logo, but like, could you have like some fun design underneath it that is, I don't know, something you guys make up? Yeah. So here's the thing. Pretty cool. So corporate just released. It's kind of a, they, I I think they're coming to a realization that they're still a small corporate. They don't have the ability to kind of tackle all these things and expedite them and make them as successful as they could be. uh, Right. There's a lot of stuff on their plate, obviously. So they just released announcement that local studios can create and sell their own merch, but it has to be approved through corporate first. So it's kind of a big thing because they they did not have a lot. They didn't have like any good stuff on their their corporate page for you know stuff that you could purchase wholesale and then sell. So I would love to really try to focus on once we get our studio open, um, once trying to trying to create that brand cohesiveness and you know the the high tech style and focus of Eat the Frog Fitness. Um, and trying to translate that into just really simplistic, good-looking apparel for people mm-hmm. to purchase and, and wear. But I don't think I would want anything that was crazy, that would be you know, loud and in your face. I think it would be something more subtle with the you know the logo, eat the frog, something like that, um, and then just really making it look good and 
work well. Wait, you're you're tell you're telling me that Andrew Hopple is not going to be making clothing that is loud and expressive. He's going he's going the subtle route for Eat the Frog Fitness. Yeah, you got you're gonna have zippity tees do some designs for you. No. No, okay. we're gonna we're gonna go to a manufacturer, so we're gonna go probably overseas initially to save some money, um, China. and use that, <laughs> China. and use that use that experience to kind of create something more affordable. So we'll see. That's that's in the farther pipeline, but we just, I want to make sure that we have good looking apparel available for people. I want to make sure that we're not you know just giving people a bunch of crap. You know, we have great training, great service, and then. You know, you look on the wall and everything looks terrible. You just, yeah. you want stuff that's gonna doesn't need to sell like hotcakes every single time, but I want stuff that looks good. It, yeah, I mean, you gotta have someone go up to it, kind of feel the material, and be like, "Oh, I can work out in this," but also it's gotta look good enough where if they just want to wear it, you know, going grocery shopping or whatever, like that's something that Orange Theory, at least our studio, the stuff that we ordered from like their corporate main site. Dude had some really cool stuff that it's like it feels really nice, it's breathable, and if you're, you know, going out for some errands, whatever, it's totally cool to wear it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the that's kind of the objective here. We're yeah. gonna see if we can make that happen. I love it, dude. I love Cameron. it. Cameron. What up? Ten rules of the ancestral athlete. <laughs> By Ben Greenfield, authored June 5th, 2014. Our good buddy, Zach, if you guys have not been a part of the last couple podcasts, we, uh, we've we had him on and we've been talking about a, a number of different studies and um, some articles that we've been reading through together. We love what we've been doing, Cam and I, so we want to continue with that theme. We want to kind of bring you guys some applicable content that you can kind of listen to because what I like to do personally, and I think this translates to a lot of people, I, especially in this season of life that I'm in right now, with so much time on my hands when it comes to busy work and commuting, I love having somebody in my ear talking to me and telling me um, some applicable information and informational information. Uh, guidance, you know, talking about some type of training concept or really anything else. I love podcasts. I love audiobooks and all that. Mm -hmm. So we're going to try to continue with that theme and bring you guys some more stuff to consider when you're looking at your own training, your own fitness regime and figure out how we can apply this, um, this stuff and decide if you, if you want to take some of it or all of the information that we're giving you. Mm -hmm. So we've got this article for you on the one and only T Nation, little clickbaity, as Cam pointed out earlier today, as of recently. There, I don't know, I saw one about penis size or something like that um, up there. So, little concerned for our good friends over at T Nation. I'm sure they're yeah. just doing their due diligence at getting the clicks <laughs> that they need to uh, to feed their family and all their. side friends but so here today 
all their whatever. Yeah. whatever Today we're talking. <laughs> We're talking about, once again, the 10 rules of the ancestral athlete to kick it off. And Cam, I'm going to let you start this thing off. Go for it. Yeah. So, well, I, well, first off, one thing that you and I were talking about earlier, and this is something I find interesting that I don't know if anyone listening has thought about this, but um, there is this sort of like up and coming idea that like, oh, you got to eat like your ancestors did or, you know, whatever. And, you know, kind of like hunter gatherer sort of stuff. And something that was just funny that like Andrew and I were talking about is like, like, why is this almost like romanticized? Why is this such a hot topic? You know, especially when the life expectancy was much lower and now granted life expectancy, there's a lot of things that go into that. Um, But I think, you know, one thing that the ants, like, the ancestors, however you want to put that probably had right. I bet none of them, I bet none of them died of like, I don't know, heart conditions related to being obese or like, you know, diabetes or stuff like that. Like there are many like metabolic conditions. I bet they were pretty, pretty like, I don't know, not susceptible to that. Right. They're more active. They're eating quote unquote, clean whole foods. whatever. So some of these rules I'm like, okay, these are pretty good. Um, but also it doesn't mean that you need to go forge for berries and hunt, you know, a mammoth, but, um, <laughs> uh, do you want to go in order? Or do you want to just kind of pick the rules that stick out to us the most first or how'd you want to do this? So here, I'll read through it. I want you to give some commentary on these things off of your, um, kind of just your knee jerk reaction as to what's taking place here. Um, one at a time. So first one. We're going to go through, here's what you need to know. One, your ancestors, these are four points in total, by the way, guys. One, your ancestors have more or have important things to teach you about work, rest, stress, movement, and diet. Work, stress. I think my knee-jerk reaction to that is I, I think I think that's probably true. I, I There's a few things. I mean, you know, if you think about ancestors, you know, they, they work to serve, to survive, which we don't really, that's not super applicable. If you are, you know, you have to live off the land in order to do that. And most people, at least in America, don't do that. But with relaxing, dude, I think, I think relaxing has been completely like tainted and at least, at least in America and, and a lot of like um, developed parts of the world. Relaxing is like having a screen six inches from your face and just just scrolling away, right? Like that's that dopamine in your brain that's always searching and there's no bottom. There's no bottom to Instagram. Um, it just keeps going. And, you know, ancestors, when they're relaxing, it's like, dude, there's no screen. They're probably freaking, I don't know, in a hammock or... <laughs> <laughs> you know, hanging out with you it is more community, right? Cause that's what they had. And now our community quote unquote is like online. That's not, that's not a true or it's not true, but it's a different sense of community. It's not quite the same thing. And, and also just with resting, it's like, dude, that, I don't know. I don't really know anyone that's really good at resting until COVID. COVID kind of made a lot of people slow down and be like, okay, like I don't need to, I don't need to always be working. Like my father-in-law was going stir crazy 
But then after a month of it, he's like, dude, I kind of, kind of like this. You know, he got a, He got a taste of what retirement would kind of be like. Um, you know, working when he wants to and all that stuff. And it was a, it was a huge lesson for him. And, and he's not alone. I think a lot of people are, they're not taking the time to slow down and, and I don't know, just to kind of smell, smell the roses of their life, right? All of a sudden you're old and you're like, holy crap, like where'd life go? It goes by so fast. I think that's, it's a good evaluation for the first one. Um, second one. You don't need to quit your office job, but you do need to hack your job to simulate the hunter-gatherer lifestyle as much as possible. Stand up and get moving, desk jockey. <laughs> <laughs> so so what's, what's your evaluation on that one? Once again, you don't need to quit your office job, but you need to hack your job to simulate the hunter-gatherer lifestyle as much as possible. Well, you know, it's kind of funny. As someone who has a desk job now, dude, I got to say the difference between that and what I was doing at Orange Theater when you're moving around all the time. Holy crap, dude. It is like mentally and physically, it takes a toll. And something that I, that I constantly have to remind myself of is stand up as much as I possibly can. I mean, my desk, it's kind of awkward because I'm like, I'm typing at like a very awkward angle. Um, you know, we try to do as long as I can, but eventually I'm like, Ooh, my wrist is kind of hurting. Um, but th- dude, this is something I would tell people at orange theory that had desk jobs. Be like, Hey, every, every 30 minutes, something like that, just get up and, and do a lap around the office. If you're going to use the bathroom, try to use one that's on another floor, like do something right. I mean, there's some cool, uh, tech companies that they have like walking, walking desks, which I think is, which is awesome. You're going like 0.5 miles an hour, but you know, at least you're moving. Yeah. I think that's really important. Um, because the, like you said, the, the stark contrast between how much you're moving inside of a, a job like coaching and personal training versus now, you know, working at a, at a desk, it's, it's so much different and, um, it slows your metabolism down quite a bit for sure. Number three, it's okay to sometimes be hungry, sometimes fast, and sometimes eat completely random meals you'd normally never eat. Hmm. What do, what do you think about that one? Nope. That's not the game, Cam. Yeah, give me your uh, opinion first. Oh, I'm, okay. Are we going to get your opinion at some point? Yeah. Maybe. I, I, just, I want that. everybody to be... I want everybody to be barraged with Cam's insight first. Fair enough. Fair enough. My, uh, let me impart to you all my wisdom. I think, okay, so I don't super get (laughs) the, I don't super get the random meal thing. Um, There might be some benefit to it. I've never like, I don't know, just intuitively doesn't seem like it would do much for you, but you know, there could be some evidence that would suggest otherwise. I do think one big thing is people need to know what it's like to be hungry and you need to also learn to be okay with that. Cause as you know, when you're, when you're cutting or just trying to lose weight in general, you might think you're hungry, but it's really just a craving. Like that's been my struggle for the past 21 days with this animal based diet is like, I will think I'm hungry but then when I think about the various foods I can eat, I'm like, oh, I'm not in the mood for those. So 
So it's like, okay, am I actually hungry? It's like, no, I just, I just want some sort of, maybe it's a, a little bit of a sugar kick, you know, with like some candy, or I just want to eat something that's a little bit more palatable and tastes good. Um, and, and if you never let yourself truly be hungry, then it's going to be hard to learn the difference between actual hunger where your body needs some fuel and you just wanting to eat something that tastes good. Absolutely. So I think the, the hungry, the hungry ones Number the one four. That really suck out to me there. Yeah, go ahead. Number four, you need to accept the fact that you live in a post-industrial era and that you're often exposing your body to relatively unnatural activities, foods, and environments, and you may actually need a bit of better living through science. I don't that that one seems kind of vague. <laughs> Where I'm like, what you are need, you actually? You need to accept the fact. You need to accept the fact that you are that you live in a post-industrial era. And that you and that you're often exposing your body to relatively unnatural activities, foods, and environments, and you may actually need a bit of better living through science. I mean, if it's talking about eating processed food and like living in a in a city where you're surrounded by concrete and steel and stuff like that, then yeah, sure, you could say that's quote unquote unnatural. Um, you know, I mean, I'd say, I'd say, I'd say, I'd say it's, that point is probably really quick. Not don't take this whole ancestral thing. Just like you're saying, you were saying prior, don't take it too far mm -hmm. and realize where we are today. And there's things that are different. So I'm sorry, go ahead. So if you're someone who lives in a city or even like a, a busy suburb, You'll know this kind of intuitively when you're when that's your, your normal living space, but then you go camping, right? And you're not by you know any any telephone poles, big buildings, um, bunch of cars zooming by. It feels different. It feels more calming. I know that when I whenever I go camping or we do our dune strip, my stress level is just in general a lot lower because I don't have all these different like stimuli hitting me, right? It's just, it's more quiet. Um, I'm not on my phone as much. Like that feels good. So this is some, you know, based off what you were just kind of talking about, where it's like, don't take this too far. Don't, don't go live on the frontier. Like don't become, you know, some, you know, live by nature sort of person. Um, but maybe make it an effort like a few times a year, if you can just get away from it all, kind of go into nature um, and I don't know. Yeah. Just get, just get away from the hustle and bustle kind of of life. Cause it's, it feels real good, man. It feels really good. Cool. I think those were all really good evaluations here. So let's recap really quick. Your ancestors, number one, have important things to teach you about work, rest, stress, movement, and diet. So I think this is more of a, an attack on trying to conceptualize what are our, what are our bodies designed to do in the world and what's more natural quote unquote for our bodies to to kind of be inside and trying to to notice when things probably aren't as natural or regular for the body not that you know we can't adapt and be okay inside of different environments such as sitting at a desk for most of the most of the work day but 
if we if we can recognize what the benefits are from our ancestral and more natural states and try to apply those to our our um, daily living there's probably a lot of great benefits that can be added to our not so natural lives if that makes mm-hmm. sense so that's yeah. what i got out of that one Second one, you don't need to quit your office job, but you need to hack your job to uh, simulate the hunter-gatherer lifestyle as much as possible. So I'd say one and two are kind of combined because one, you need to recognize that there's benefits to um, kind of find what some of the things that the ancestors, our um, relatives had been doing even 150, 200 years ago prior mm-hmm. and trying to apply some of those things to our, our current life and try to find opportunities to implement some of that stuff. Um, number three, it's okay to sometimes be hungry, sometimes fast, and sometimes eat completely random meals you'd normally never eat. I'd say uh, the most important part there for me is discomfort. Not mm-hmm. you have to. You have to. And I think that's such a big thing for us as a society right now is. We do not want to be uncomfortable. Being uncomfortable is the most (laughs) going to that post office and being uncomfortable is the most (laughs) difficult thing that we can do in our lives right now. And just like Cam pointed out just 20 minutes prior, the situations that we have in our lives, none of them are going to be crazy drastic compared to years prior. The issues that we have from, um, a convenience standpoint are so much more lessened than those that were around here earlier than us that set us up for this life that we get to live. So recognize that and realize that discomfort is not a bad thing. If we want to improve and get where we want to be in the fitness world in the health and fitness world, discomfort is necessary. We need to, to find that. And number four, you need to accept the fact that you live in a post-industrial era. Blah, 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 blah. So essentially, we need to recognize that things aren't exactly like they were prior. And we, we, we have to recognize that there are benefits to where we are today and not take this ancestral focus thing too far. So mm-hmm. I would say in that sense, science, scientific um, backed, scientifically backed improvements that we can utilize not all of them are going to be things. That, oh man, I, I'm trying to stay as natural as I can. You know, be like the the ancestors, all that good stuff. And I don't want to impose anything that's that's too, you know, crazy on my recovery, on my nutrition, all that good stuff. That isn't entirely possible because if we're doing if we're out doing cardio, we're going to be pounding the pavement with our uh, with our shoes that we wear on our feet. Unless you're not doing that, you know, you're going to be riding a bike uh, with <laughs> this. Uh, article actually says with your uh, super delicate and um <laughs> and what was the word here you'll be using uh for your 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 delicate reproductive organ tissue on a hard bicycle seat <laughs> like you're gonna you're gonna be adding things to the environment to your body that isn't natural even if you're trying super hard not to unless you're completely mm-hmm. going off the wagon and you're like i am gonna live like the Comanche's 200 year old ancestors. So even farther back than that, right? Because <laughs> I'm not going to use anything. 
And if you're not doing that, you're going to have things that you have to, you have to have in your life that aren't supernatural. But we also have to realize that there are benefits to a lot of these things like supplementation. I use vitamins and minerals every single day myself. And I know that that's something that's like, whatever my body doesn't need, it's going to get rid of, but whatever it's lacking, it's going to utilize. So something like not being able to eat fish every single day, if you pop some of those, um, fish oils, it's going to, it's going to give you more benefits that you, uh, our, our ancestors probably wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to eat fish all the time, especially if you live in the Midwest and you're nowhere near all these freshwater, um, pockets of, of, uh, fish as mm-hmm. one example. But I think that's important there to kind of realize that science, if we're going this route and trying to implement these things that are beneficial, there are benefits to living a more natural life and we should look for them. It's not all negative for what our modern world has added to our lives. Right. Yeah. It's true. It's like there are some improvements that can just be viewed as an improvement, even though it might not be natural, right? Like what you were saying with supplementing with fish oil, it's like, dude, there was probably ancestors who were, you know, deficient, um, in a bunch of things, right. Until they were able to get the animal or fish or whatever that would provide those nutrients. So we're able to supplement with it, which is an improvement. Yeah. It's in a pill form, but that doesn't make it necessarily bad. You know, I like when I think of improvements that are kind of good, but also have a really bad side, I think of things like social media where so like imagine this, like your Paul Revere book, you know, it would have been a lot easier than riding a horse all across the country is sending an email that would have been, <laughs> you know, that would have saved so much time. Right. But at, at the same side there, or at the same time, there's that dark side where we're more connected than ever, but part of me wonders, is, is that a good thing? Because then you almost have that that little phone become your world. And then all of a sudden you can start comparing yourself to all these people around the world. And it's, it's easy to think that, you know, the people that are like really impressive on social media with, you know, what they're capable of doing um, or their followings, whatever. I feel like there's a tendency for people to think that a lot of people are like that when really those are outliers. Um, And then, you know, then you're playing the comparison game and there can be a small benefit to that too, because it can make you self-conscious about your own flaws and how you can improve. But if you're just bombarded with it, all of a sudden your self-esteem is going to be down the toilet because of these outliers that you're all aware of now. And that's just all you consume and you think everyone's like that. I have a, an interesting quote to this article too that I want to toss in as well. Yeah. A point that... Ben Greenfield wants to make here is don't fret with all this information. Don't freak out about all this stuff, whether you're, you're talking about the science side, talking about the trying to live as natural as you can side. And here's what he says. I'm jealous of my wife. She doesn't think about her carbohydrate, protein, and fat ratios ever. With an almost childlike innocence, she simply goes out to the garden, opens the refrigerator or cupboard, and eats real food when she wants to. She wouldn't know what a gram of carbohydrate looked like if her life depended on it. In contrast, (laughs) I always have concerns about things like ketosis, protein uh, toxicity, or oxidation at the back of my mind. 
<laughs> she doesn't plan her workouts or write things down in a calendar. When she feels the urge to exercise, she grabs our dog Blitzen and heads out to the trails. When she's sore or tired, she doesn't push through it, quote unquote. In contrast, I adhere to a rigid schedule that has me pressured to, com to complete the day's workout, no matter how I feel or the intuitive signals my body is telling me. She doesn't set up an alarm, use a sleep mask, cover up amb ambient noise with a phone app, or take sleep supplements. She just goes to bed when she's tired and gets out of bed when her body feels rested and refreshed. In contrast, I wear my nerdish blue blocking glasses at night, feel guilty if I'm not in bed with within seven hours, several hours of sunset, and pop out of bed wide awake at the indicated time each morning. I think that's Jeez. a good insert. That's a really good insert, dude, because it's like some of these, like, like for example, like I have blue blockers and I try to wear them every night if I can, like when I remember to, which is I think most nights. Um, but it's not good if, if I am not wearing them to freak out and be like, oh my God, my my whole night of sleep is ruined. It's like, no, it's a, it's a thing that helps, but it's not going to, you know, ruin the night or whatever. And like, I don't know, I'm sure Ben kind of obsesses about it a little bit, which probably adds some level of stress to his life when he's really trying because he's all about you know biohacking and optimum human performance and all that stuff but it's like <laughs> well no he is though isn't he you know i mean if you look yeah, at some yeah. of his uh some of his stuff and um you know you can almost ask him like ben is it optimum for you to be stressing about all these things that are supposed to make your body more efficient and healthier and long like have a better longevity no, probably not. His wife might be onto something, actually. Yeah, exactly. It's. I mean, he points it out great in this article. He says, we need to recognize that science helps us in some directions and then also recognize when it doesn't and when it's, it's kind of inhibiting health and fitness and getting where we need to be. I think it's very um, introspective, the, the, the point where he talks about training, where you need to, you need to figure out how you're recovering to be aware of your body and learn the the signals that it's telling you. So your body isn't going to lie to you. Your brain is going to lie to you quite a bit. It's going to tell you, I can't do this. I don't want to do that and so forth. But your body, the signals that you get, the pains, the soreness, the, the feeling good, feeling energized naturally, all these different signals your body can send you, it's going to send you true and kind of reactive signals for what's it's what it, what it's going through right now. So recognizing when you're incredibly sore, when you're, you kick the shit out of yourself, you, you kick the shit out of your own dumb ass inside your last workout. And you're like, dude, I, I can't do this. Like, or I don't feel my body's hurting. My hamstrings are, are feel like they're going to rip off the bone. Um, if, if I do another deadlift day and I'm supposed to hit this workout only a day later, realize what's going on here. You probably don't need to do that. Cause Cam and I like to talk about the bell curve of diminishing returns quite a bit. And truly, we can't, it's hard to mathematically place a numerical value on something like that. But realize that when you're when you're beat up, when you're not recovering properly, you're going to lose a lot of benefits on that, that far side of the diminishing returns bell curve. So trying to play the game and look at the long game for fitness and health and all that stuff 
is probably more important, I would argue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like a um, almost like a health versus performance thing where if you're thinking, okay, I have to do this because I want to perform a certain way, that kind of takes away some of the intuitiveness of it where like, you know, with your example, if you're like, man, my hamstrings are just not, they're not feeling good. There's something going on. But if you're thinking, well, I want to perform the best I can, I need to follow this program and I'm supposed to deadlift right now. And if you start deadlifting and and it just feels like shit, then you probably shouldn't be deadlifting. Do something else. Maybe you didn't properly recover, um, which is your fault. And, uh, you know, figure something else out. Like I literally had to do that this, uh, what was it? Two, two weeks ago, like just based on how my, how my legs were feeling, I had like no gas in the tank and I couldn't even get close to the weight I was trying to do in for the certain set. And I'm like, this just is not feeling right. So I just, I substituted it and it was fine. I, I highly doubt that that one decision is going to impact my future performance in any substantial way. You know, it's like, well, what, what would happen if I just decided to grunt through it. It's like, dude, I don't know, maybe nothing. Maybe there, I would have been more prone to an, an injury in that set. Maybe I would have just misgrooved the lift or something like that. It Either way, it's not a big deal if you have to pivot during a workout every once in a while to accommodate what your body is telling you. That's not a bad thing to do. Train smarter. It's Now, once again, guys, I want to I want to point out though I'm not giving you a, an opportunity to be like oh I'm sore so Andrew said it's okay for me to skip this training session all right if you do that <laughs> you're not you're not welcome back to this podcast anymore yeah. <laughs> because you're trying to <laughs> trying to use Cam and I as a scapegoat for your own laziness but truly if if we're if we're kicking our own ass and we need to take a a mobility recovery day. You know, adding in that extra little bit of steady state cardio, depending on what we're trying to accomplish and what our main objectives are for fitness at this point, that's something that's very natural. Once again, if we're looking for that route, it's going to help stoke the metabolism. We're going to up the heart rate a little bit. And if you throw that sexy 20 to 40 pound weight vest on, you're going to, you know, <laughs> add a little extra loaded intensity onto your, uh, your muscles and spine and, uh, nothing ever is bad about that. I'd have to have to argue for myself. <laughs> but there's there's great opportunity to do other things even if we cannot even if we can't do the things that we had planned out like Ben was uh, saying in this article earlier. There's other opportunities around and we can pivot like Cam just said and we can adjust and we can find other opportunity to be active or to find things that are going to be beneficial for us to accomplish. Uh, Cam, what do you got for the people this week? I think for everyone and kind of for myself too, is to think about what are the ways that I could maybe be more like my quote unquote ancestors or just hunter gatherer esque people. Right. And let me give you at least my example. I think for me, I could move, a lot more at work, just throughout your day, whether it's standing more, walking around the office a little bit more while maintaining productivity. Um, And then the other thing for me is also looking at my diet and thinking, okay, what, what percentage of food 
should I really focus on it being more quote unquote natural, just whole foods, things that come from the earth, right? I mean, you know, this summer is going to be a big summer for for both of us, right? Where we're going to be growing. I mean, last year I grew a bunch of veggies too, but similar to you, I want to eat more out of my garden and just less processed shit, right? I mean, like, yeah, every once in a while, it's 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 fun to go with friends, you know, have a good meal, whatever. It might not be the most natural thing ever, but, you know, keep it, keep it on a leash. Don't let those just processed crappy foods become a norm for you. Um, yeah. Just trying to make it more, more whole foods. Also, that sounds annoying, doesn't it? That kind of, uh, I don't know. Eating. I would say, I would say to, to simplify it, recognize what benefits, what pluses, what positives you could add into your life. That's a more natural way of living. And also, on the, the flip of the coin, recognize what scientific innovations are also assisting you and mm-hmm. try to emphasize and try to be more consistent with some things that you know that could be more beneficial for recovery, for things you can eat, for things you can supplement with. Mm-hmm. R- recognize at least one component to both sides of those for the next week or so. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. the the uh, cool the science one's a good one. I I like that a lot. Like which ones are helping you and which ones are you know you're getting a little bit too on the dark side there. That's good. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks for being a part of the podcast. If you got something out of this podcast, as always, make sure that you're sharing it with somebody. You're throwing it up on your social media because that helps us grow, especially as we're in the full swing of the Fire to Podcast, as well as um, we're growing this network of trainers and everybody's all in on online training. Um, using the the podcast as a platform for you guys to hopefully once again, if you got a busy work day, if you got a commute or something, and you're trying to trying to learn, trying to one join in with your good buddies Cam and Andrew in a conversation uh, about our gardens in the the first part of the podcast, but also <laughs> trying to get something to take away out of a podcast, out of a learning experience, um, some time that would otherwise be used for nothing. Be sure that you are sharing the podcast if you got something out of it. So thanks thanks again, everybody. Hope you have a good week and we'll see you soon. Peace.